0: Christmas sermon. What do you guys want to do? We'll do grab bag text. I'll just preach on the fly. Freestyle preaching. I didn't want to prepare this week, so... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Philippians 2. Before we get into it, do you ever have someone tell you or say to you, what did you do? (laughs) Thanks for asking. (laughs) As a parent, when your kids are little, you'll often say... What did you do? I'm sure Lily never had to say that with, with, with her boys, but what did you do? If you have a, a pet dog, what did you do? If, if you have a husband, right, maybe Laura would say that, what did you do? I don't know what the similarity, puppy dogs, boiler boys and But sometimes there's a positive element, something grand and wonderful and joyful. And what did you do? Maybe you you received a gift, a a gift that was so extravagant that you didn't know what to say other than, what what did you do? Well, in Philippians 2, we have an opportunity to look at and ask Jesus this question. What did you do? And as he answers that for us through his word, we have the ability to see the incarnation with the awe and joy and gratitude that we should as children of God in Christ. I thought this would be a fun text. I don't know if fun is the right word because it can be a very complicated text. You, you can mess this one up pretty bad or you can see it very clear. The name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I want to take our text in two parts if you're taking notes. And the two parts are what did you do and why did you do it? And so as we look at what did you do I want to start in verse 6. And if you look closely at verse 6, you can get really confused quickly. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Y- y'all, y'all ever watch cartoons growing up? This is where I keep y'all engaged. You know Wonder Twins? Wonder Twin powers activate! And they take these rings. Form of Water! form of a bucket. And I'm like, have you all seen these guys? Water in a bucket. Like, I'm like, gorilla, go, gorilla, go. But they become the form of what they say. They're not really water in a bucket. They just take on the form of water in a bucket. You ever uh, use concrete? If so, you use something called a concrete form. It establishes the shape of the concrete, the form it takes who though he was in the form of God. Hold up. What's that mean? Did Jesus, I thought, it, I thought he was God. It says he was just in the form of God. What's going on here? I need some help. I had trouble in preparing this week because the text didn't make sense. There are two Greek words for form. In English, we got one word and it means outward appearance. In Greek, there are two words. One has to do with outward appearance, and the other has to do with inner composition and makeup. And so here's what I want to do as we go through this. You ever seen those uh, tour buses with the open tops? Guys, come on now. Come on now, San Francisco, New York, London. Let's all go for a bus ride. Let's all, let's all get on the, the top of the bus. Everybody sitting on the bus. Beep, beep, here we go. We're going to drive through London. Follow me on the bus. Vroom, vroom. Big Ben, Parliament. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Tower, Bridge. Vroom, 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 Buckingham Palace. Woohoo! everybody off the bus. We did our tour. If you ride, the, if you ride these buses, you get a quick glimpse of all the landscape. Okay, We often read scripture like that. Come on for a ride. Vroom! Creation! room vroom, vroom! Fall! Vroom! Vroom! Flood! Vroom! room. Prophets! Kings! Creole! Oh, we're done. That's not bad to get an overview of the landscape. But sometimes you have to get off the bus. You have to walk up to the Tower of London. You have to touch a brick. You have to ask a docent for the history of... You have to walk in and see what's going on. Hang on, guys. There we go. I'm going I'm to non-belly today. I'm going to stay here where people can see me. Good. Let's get off of the bus as we go through Scripture. Okay? Let's see what's going on. The form of God. Morphe. Morphe means inner composition and makeup. Look at uh, 310. You'll see another use of morphe that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. The implication there is inner transformation, makeup, and composition. Jesus being in the form of God is saying Jesus in his very nature and being is God. Thus he can say before Abraham was what? I am. Jesus is God. I'll slow walk this and then I'll get to the good stuff, so bear with me. Though he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What's that mean? Is Jesus God or not? So why is he trying to grasp equality with God? So what what happened was he became less than God when he became incarnate. I see Dan woke up. That's a good sign. And that what he had to do was live a perfect life so that after his perfect life, he could be restored to his fullness of deity as a a gift from the Father. So what it says here is he didn't try to grasp it too early. He waited to take it when God gave it to him. Sound good? Total biblical bunk. Do you know what this is saying? I mean, what does it mean, Jesus... Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Isaiah fourteen. Flip on over there. First one there wins. Prizes, prizes today. Free cookies. There really are. There really are. You want to skip the sermon and go to the cookies? No comment. Look at what's going on. Isaiah fourteen, verse thirteen. You said in your heart, this is the the evil one, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. The devil is trying to grasp equality with God. Jesus doesn't try to grasp equality with God. Why? It's nothing to be grasped. It's who he is. Do you see that? He is God. He is fully God. And he doesn't have to grasp it because he already has it. Y'all tracking with me? Yep. Yeah? But he emptied himself. What's that mean? Slow walk in this text to get to the good stuff. Let me explain what it means. I am... Golly, You know what happened? Laura graciously showed me when I do this the poor Zoom people get like my belly and so I'm determined there we go to give them not just sermon but not belly anyway so what does it mean that he emptied himself you see that in your, in your Bible right can I tell you what it means when, when Jesus was born he was no longer God Because he poured out his divinity. Right? Somebody say no. But he became a man. Truly, truly man. It says right here. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So he became a man, so he poured out his deity. Right? No. So what's he pouring out? What's he... Emptying himself of. There are two ways to answer that. One is we can share our opinions. Well, I think, okay. The other way is wouldn't it be nice if Scripture told us? It does. Do you know what, what he poured out? John 17:5, his glory. Uh, we could go to Isaiah 53, his honor. We could go to 2 Corinthians 8:9, his riches. For your sake, he became poor that we might become rich. We can summarize it this way. His privileges. You see, what's hard about this text is you can, you can make a hot mess of this sucker. But it's so magnificently beautiful when you slow it down the right way and put it in grammatical context. Jesus, who was in his most inner nature and being God... Didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped because he was God. But emptied himself of things like his glory and honor and riches by taking the form, again, same word there, of a servant. He was literally a servant in how he lived. Being born, I think the KJV says created, it should not say created, it's ginomai. It doesn't talk about something being made out of creation. It talks more of becoming being born in the likeness of man what does that mean truly man he became a man keep going here and being found in human form that word form there in your english bible it's the same word as the earlier words form in the greek it's a word schema and it means outward appearance what it means there is he's truly god truly man and he lived as a man in man's world adopting man's customs does that make sense and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And when we get to that point in the text, what we need to say, if we've heard it right, is, what did you do? Jesus, what, what did you do? What did, what did you do? Truly God, truly man, Set aside his privileges. The, the, the one who created all men became a man. The one who owns a cattle on a thousand hill was hungry. The, the judge would be judged. The one whose name is truth was called a liar. What? Why? What did you do? And then he was dead. And at that point, it's the disciples. What? 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 What did you do? But that's not the end of the story, is it? He rose. We we see why he set aside his glory, his honor, his riches. He can't set aside his deity because God can't cease being God. With God, there is no variance or shadow due to change. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, will always be the second person of the Trinity. The second person of the Trinity, however, took on flesh and became a man. Jesus, Emmanuel, God saves, God with us. And today, Jesus is truly God and truly man, seated at the right hand of God. But when he died, he died in his humanity, not his deity. Now someone, if you're alert, you're going to go, but wait, did he know everything? Yeah, he's God. But, but nah, they asked him when he'd come back. He says, ah, only the Father knows. Okay. Doesn't mean he used all of his divine attributes at the same time, constantly. Someone's like, well, so he knows? Mm, we can dig into that another time. But, but hang on to the mystery. He's God. I knew knew you when you were sitting under the fig tree there. How did you know I was under the fig tree? Because I'm God. I know everything. But no, you're you're Jesus. You're a man, right? Start messing with the edges of your head, doesn't it? He had all power? Yeah, Yeah. Why do you say that? Be still, he says to the storm. Back up to Genesis. Remember God called the waters out of the earth? And then God said to the storm, "Be still." Now you get a sense of why the disciples are freaking out in the boat. Who are you? You're not. You're not like you're a man, but you're not a regular man. No, I'm a regular man, would say our Lord. But but how did you do that? Be, because I, what's wrong with you people? I'm God. But 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 how how could uh, God be a? Did you not read Isaiah? But the what did what did you do isn't that the life of a christian what in hindsight what 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 did you do so in the moment we're we're talking about praying for people we're talking about hard circumstances god what did you do fast forward a few decades what did you do that's our life what did you do what did you do you see the difference Jesus, hang on the cross, the disciples, what did you do? We told you, run! Jesus ascended in glory, what did you do? The disciples, seeing themselves apart from Christ, seeing themselves in Christ, do you you see what goes on here? Jesus, what did you do? Now, if I ask my dog that question, what did you do? They never answer. Worst case, they get so scared, they'll pee on the floor can't get my kids to pee on the floor, but if I, if I t- ask an older child, what did you do? I don't know. It's what the dog would say, just so you know. If my wife says to me, what did you do? I'd say, I don't know. But what if we ask Jesus, what did you do? What if he told us? Why did you do that? That's what we mean by what did you do? Why did you do that? The dog would say, I had to pee. The kid would say, I had to pee. The husband, anyway. Jesus, why did you do that? And he gives us the answer. And for the answer, we'll go verse 9 to 11 and then 1 to 5. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Name meaning title, rank, position. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why did Jesus do that? To the glory of God, to the glory of God the Father, to his own glory, so that he would be exalted. Isn't that funny? God exalts the humble and humbles those who exalt themselves you and I in Christ will be exalted by God as we live in the humility God brings about through our recognition of the finished work of Christ and our trusting in him. So in the most basic way, why did Jesus do this? Well, for the glory of God. We could end there, that's sufficient. God need not go on. But look, there's more. Go to verse one through five. Actually, go to three. We'll make it easier. Well, no, one. Make up your mind, Pastor. Come on! So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being in the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. that's what cariel was talking about caring for other people right it says here do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each of you look not only to his own interest but also to the interests of others jesus why did you do this so that I might make a people new in my name to live in my power for my glory who would truly love me and love others considering the interests of others ahead of themselves. You and I have privileges in life. We have strength, ability, disposable income, giftedness. We tend to use our privileges for our good to build our kingdom. It's just what the flesh does. Nobody has a problem loving themselves, but we all have a problem loving God and loving others. Look what Jesus did with his privileges. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though, privilege? He was in the form of God, lay aside privilege, did not count equal. Who was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, a cursed death. Jesus took his privileges and used them for our good and says to us, for those of you who are in me, use your privileges for the good of others, in particular your privileges that you enjoy in Christ. Do you see what's going on here? What is Christmas really about? In part, in large part, it's about God making a people to be able to love him and love others using the privileges they have for the good of others because of the privileges of Christ that were used for our good. So go and do that, would you? How do you do it? Like, what's the three or four steps to pull this off? We're supposed to do it. You want to know what's so frustrating? Here's how you do it. Get off the open top tour bus of Scripture. Room, room, creation. Room, room, fall. Room, prophet. Room, king. Room, birth. Room, death. Room, resurrection. Slow down. Get off the bus. Let's walk up to the incarnation for a moment. I mean, look at this one more time. Who, though he was God, emptied himself of his privileges becoming a servant living as a man in man's world dying death on a cross why why did Je- Why? why do we have little baby Jesus a baby who was born to die who would grow into a man, who would live a perfect life, die a cursed death, lose fellowship. I mean, look at this privilege. In his humanity, Jesus lost his perfect fellowship with God. Why would you do that? Because of his great love for his people. As we gaze upon the reality of Christ and what he did and why he did it and how he did it, and who that makes us and how he chose us and how he sees us what it does little by little it it is how the holy spirit sanctifies us so that we desire to walk in obedience to god it doesn't happen quick it takes your whole life but he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of christ jesus it's about living a buoyed life you know what a buoyed life is let me ask you a question is Jesus God? Uh, we're sure, right? Okay. Is his word always true? His promises all will be kept. He loves you perfectly. He's doing everything perfectly. Everything for your good, conforming you to his image. Providing for all of your needs. I mean, are, are, can we agree on this? So now I'm going to ask you a question. And it's important we stay off the bus and answer this question why do we get so fearful? Why do we doubt? Why do we run from God? Why do we feel shame? Why? why, why? Right, we're broken. And the goal is, not well, stop the insanity. No, recognize the insanity. Only God can stop the insanity. And he will stop it one day, but it's a process where he is glorified that he takes enemies and makes them friends and then makes them live like friends who are conformed to his image. That's why the psalmist says, when I am afraid, I trust in you. It doesn't say, no believer of God is ever afraid. Wrong! When I am afraid, I trust in you. Why are you cast down, O my soul? What's the next verse? Trust in God, for I shall surely praise him. My salvation and my God. Renew in me a right heart. Create in me a right spirit. Why? Because I'm messed up, God. And God will. Do you see the battle towards joy that's fought in seeing the reality of Philippians 2? It leads to a buoyed life. If you watch the news, it's like the devil sticking a knife in your buoy inflator. You get out of church, you're like, you know what? God is really good. God loves me so much. And you go home, your phone rings, bring, bring. I tested positive. I'm dying. The stock market's going to collapse. We're being invaded by a foreign country, and I have food poisoning. Hi, Mom. How are you doing? Bad. I'm dying. You know what the world? Merry Christmas. Watch this. 12 hours later, it's over. 364 more days to go. Do you guys know what today's date is? Is it the 19th? 18th? 19th 48 hours away from the longest night of the year the Sun will set at 411 and rise at 748 and dark mud will encompass you stop God reigns God loves us God determined there would be a shortest day of the year why? I don't exactly know. Part of me thinks it's to force me to move to the tropics, but I'm not so sure about that yet. There's a reason. And through that reason, it's my, we might see his goodness and his glory. Let me, let me show you the strangeness here. So how do you know when you're using your privileges for someone else? Side check. You ever try to love, care for somebody? And find yourself on the back end getting really angry when they don't reciprocate. Maybe you're, you're inviting people out for, for lunch, you're inviting them into your house, you're, you're cooking things for them, and nobody ever cooks nothing for you. Nobody ever invited you over. Nobody even sends you a card to say, thank you so much for all you do. And you get angry. Maybe you're like discipling somebody and, and they got an addiction issue or an anger issue or a, a screwed up marriage, and you invest in them, and it and just keeps screwing it up again. And you're like, What's wrong with you? Don't you listen? You don't say this to them because you're a Christian. You smile. I'll pray for you. <laughs> you ever wonder why you get so angry? Am I the only one that's encountered this? Probably. Yeah, it's yeah. You know what we're doing? You, you, you could go grand scale. You could give half of your money to care for somebody else. You could not even let them live in your house. You can give them your house and move into a shed in the back of the property. You can give them your car. You can die everything in your life you do for them and you could be doing it for all the wrong reasons. And the only way to tell is how you respond to it and why. Because when we get angry, when we get get upset, when we feel they're ungrateful and we're not appreciated, We're not actually considering their interests ahead of our own. We're using them to try to get from them what we can only receive from Jesus. I didn't say sad. I didn't say, do you become sad? Jesus wept over Jerusalem. I said, do you become angry, frustrated, or embittered? See, that's what we do so much of. I'm going to be nice to Karen and Jerry, but only if they're nice back to me. You know, it's like, that would be a great way to pastor. You have very little to do by the end of your career. I'll, I will love you if you love me. If if you wrong me, then I get to be done with you, and vice versa. I do think this is how the Christian subculture works. Offend somebody don't no, we we don't offend somebody in the church, but try it. I mean do a good a good offense and see what happens on the back end. Or or rather maybe focus on how you respond when you're offended. Somebody offends you, what's your first thought? You know what? I am going to pray for you. You're you're struggling inside. And I'm going to pray that God would help you to see him more clearly and help alleviate that struggle. And I'm just going to forgive you. I'm not going anywhere. You can yell at me all you want. I'm not going anywhere. That's not the, the natural fleshly response. Well, how do you get to that response? You see how Jesus views you. You gaze upon the gospel day by day, week by week month by month you live alongside people who can help you 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 serve people and you say to someone can you help me out can you can you help me audit my heart because i can't do this on my own where am i serving for the wrong reasons you ever said yet do you have anyone in your life that you sit you sit down with regularly back and forth kind of heart auditing each other i mean genuinely asking how you doing you build a relationship of trust. How are you doing? Where, where are you afraid? Where are you joy-filled? Where, where, where are you covering with fig leaves? And you help one another by pointing one another to the beauty of the gospel. Remember last week, God walking in the garden? What, what are you all doing back there? Nothing. My friends, buoyed lives. Incarnational lives. Lives where we consider the interests of others ahead of our own. You cannot do that on your own. You might try to make a run of it for a while, but you'll break apart. But if you are a new creation in Christ, you can do this. How do you do it? It's not just trying harder. There's hard trying, there's dying to self, but it's built on the foundation of understanding really in part what Christmas is all about the second person of the trinity who though he was in the form of morphe in very nature God he didn't count equality with God as a thing to be grasped because he already had it emptied himself of his glory, his honor, his riches and more by taking on the morphe again of a servant, the very nature and essence of a servant being born in the likeness of man, truly man Being found in human schema, form, meaning living the life of a man in man's context and culture, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You could probably sit here forever. I mean, gaze upon the reality of what we're seeing here. God became man, laid aside his privileges to die so that wicked vile enemies might live consider the interests of others ahead of your own and then he tells us love is patient love is kind love is slow to anger love keeps no record of wrongs love covers a multitude sins. He's not asking me to die for someone. He might be talking about the lady at the grocery store that took my spot. What's my problem? Oh, what a wretched man I am. But thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now, now I don't know how that meshes with We wish you a merry Christmas, we wish you a merry Christmas, we wish you a merry Christmas and a happy new year. You'll know the song, right? We know that one better than half the hymns in the book. Me too. I don't get how they fit together so well, but I do see Christmas a little more clearly for what it is. And if I rest in Christmas a little more fully, I might have not just a happy new year, God doesn't promise me a happy new year, but he does promise me a joy-filled new year as I see the reality of who God has made me in Christ Jesus. Here's the wrestle, here's where we start to land the plane. Look around the room. I want you to notice y'all are bit players in the grand narrative of the life of John Trip. You ever you ever watch The Truman Show? Micah, you ever see the Truman Show? Alright, you've never yes. seen Rudy? You've never seen the Truman Show? I'm gonna sneak in and see what y'all are watching. We gotta improve the uh... <laughs> Truman Show is a, a old Jim Carrey movie where he, he lives in a giant domed studio. And everyone, it's before uh, what do you call those shows? Not virtual reality. You know like real, real life show? I is not a smart man. Yes, (laughs) reality TV. It's before it got big, and the whole premise is everything follows Jim Carrey through his life in this domed studio, except Jim Carrey doesn't know it. Well, what's funny, not funny, is it's kind of how we all live. We can drive somewhere and all the cars go by because you need cars going by because if you drive to King of Prussia and there's no one on the road, you're like an apocalypse took place. What happened? It'd be freaky. But we don't think about that there are image bearers sitting in those cars and people with real struggles and real joys and real life, we're just like, you need cars, because life is my story and everyone is just a bit player. Said another way, you're born thinking you're the center of the universe, right? You ever notice that? The world revolves around me, that's how we're born. You ever meet a little child at a playground with a shovel? Would you like my shovel? Gives away all his shovels and and sits next to his mom and dad. Praise God to watch the little children enjoy my shovels. (laughs) It is so lovely to share my privileges to the glory of God. I'm hungry, but I don't want to trouble you for a snack. You ever meet that kid? Can I use your shovel? No! And you say, kid, you got seven shovels under your butt. They're mine, right? Then we get older, we do the same thing, just with more polish, Mm -hmm. right? You know what Jesus did? He didn't just give us a shovel to play in a sandbox with him. In fact, we were dust and dead meat in the garden. He became dead so we might become alive, He made us to rule and reign with him, not to play with a shovel in his garden, but to be a co-regent with him in glory. And what does he say to us? Basically, share your shovel. And as you share your shovel, look for an opportunity to tell someone why you're a shovel sharer. (laughs) Consider the interests of others ahead of your own. Why? Because we are made to love god and love others if you really want to have joy love god love others and when you hear god say share your shovel here's what we do why would you say that takes your shovel why would you do that fast forward what did you do the christian life the incarnation for god so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him would not perish. But have eternal life. Well well, how did that given of his son work out? How did that happen? Well though he was in the form of God. He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death. On a cross look at that you'll become like that you'll have joy through that thanks be to god for his inexpressible gift let's pray lord help us help us to have wisdom help us to desire to walk with you help us to delight in your word Help us to be buoyed people. Help us to be shovel givers. Help us to be gazers upon your glory so we might declare that glory to ourselves and to others and to the lost. Lord, help us love Christmas. Help us marvel at the incarnation. Help us look forward from the incarnation to the resurrection. Help us from the resurrection look forward to your return. From your return help us to look forward to glorification. Help us to realize that this is not home. We ache because one day we won't. We grieve, but one day we will not grieve. We cry, but one day we will not cry. We fear, but one day we will not fear. How? Because you who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And as we live on the side of glory, God, saying to you in the wrong tone of voice, what did you do? Forgive us and remind us and show us what you are doing and what you will do. Lord Jesus, thank you for the incredible love you have for us, for the patience you have with us, for the delight you have upon us, for your very presence with us, and for the fact that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So Lord, I pray for a joy-filled new year for your people. I pray as your church, even in muddy, murky darkness of Pennsylvania, you would lift us above the visual circumstances and help us to gaze upon your beauty and know that just as spring comes in a few months, you, Lord Jesus, will return as well. And when you do, and you bring us home to glory, we will have perfect weather in a perfect home with your perfect people perfectly in the presence of our perfect God who will we will enjoy forever and ever amen lord this is true and sure and promised we praise you and thank you and adore you in your holy and precious name we pray amen